We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out ConradChallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at conradchallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, go check that out as well at transformativeprincipal.org slash Nancy Conrad. Hey, everyone. This is Stacey Lindis from Podcast PD, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all of the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have Jeff Kubiak on the podcast today. Jeff, welcome to Transformative Principle and thanks for being here. Thank you, my man. Fired up and uh, ready to rock, man. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. Jeff is a principal and he's going to talk about changing school today and going from just focusing on achievement to growth for all students. And so, Jeff, before we get into that, why don't you talk a little bit about your background and where you're from and how you got to where you're at? Okay. So um, I'm from Northern California. Grew up in a real small college town, UC Davis, Davis, California. And basically, I didn't like school. I hated school as a kid. It was not easy for me. And I had a lot of compliance slash punitive teachers. And then as I was kind of navigating the waters, deciding what I wanted to do, um, I thought, gosh, you know what? It'd be cool to make education better for kids than I had it. And so I got into teaching. At the same time, I had been a competitive swimmer, a world-class athlete until the late 80s, early 90s. And so then I also became a coach and that was really cool because the swim coaching and the teaching tied in so well together that I could 
you know, kind of get my message across. And I wanted to be the teacher that helped every kid. I uh, got into administration. I was pushed real hard by my uh, principal at the time, uh, Chris Corey, who happens to be my superintendent now. Um, That's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome to be back with her. She's phenomenal. And um, as I was you know, traveling from different schools, so this is my six years as an administrator as principal. You know, I just looked that education is always so, well, it used to be so you know, compliant, punitive, and then high stakes. So the school I'm at right now, back in the API, API days, was always the 900 school, like the school to be at in the district. And as we've been changing the last 10 years, we've gotten huge culture shifts and, and social economic shifts. And um, so Solano County, where I am, I'm in Fairfield, is one of the most diverse counties in the United States. I think it's like number three. And so if you walk onto the campus now at Nelda Mundy, you see someone that looks like you. It doesn't matter where you're from. It's amazing and I love it. That being said, a lot of people have a hard time with the change because, you know, now with LCAP and different things, how we're looking at our models, it's not about like, hey, 4.0 or, you know, 900 API. We've got to grow the whole school. And that means I got 800 kiddos to be accountable for. And, you know, I want that kiddo who would, we would call maybe number one at the bottom, not an 800 at the top. You know, where are that kid's deficits? Are they social emotional? Um, are they academic? Are they chemical? What, what is it? And so that's where my focus is, is like, you know what? We're shifting, my friends. I have to move the whole school for us to be successful. And that's a tough mindset for people to understand. Yeah, that that definitely is. And especially for people who, you know, think that that doesn't really apply to me because I don't teach those kids or whatever. They're not in my wheelhouse. But, you know, being able to make that huge school by change is really challenging. And as I talk to principals about that, it's it's about more than just saying it. There are a lot of little things that go into it that we don't think about. Can you talk about your processes and, and what you're finding is effective and working well? And, you know, especially the little things that people don't think about, like having a focus on instruction and a focus on literacy, those are the big ideas. But what are the little things that you're actually doing that, that are making a difference? So we use MAP measures of academic proficiency through NWEA. Uh, they're out in Washington. And so we, we uh, administer that three times. And it's really closely correlated to the CASP, the standard, standardized test in California. And, you know, I hate the whole over-testing thing, but the neat thing about MAP is that it, it can be so well used and you can drill down to find those every little bucket that needs to be filled for that kid to be proficient and so using that, you know, now we're looking at much more small group instruction, much more intervention, because with that, there's things called MAP skills. And then also MAP skills is tied in with uh, Khan Academy. So they call it Khan Academy Mappers. And it's just a neat little intervention program. Not that I'm all about everything online, but it does give the chance to a teacher if she's doing small groups, everyone can still fill a little silo. So my assistant principal is amazing. Sherry McCormick, she and I are really, really aligned. And, you know, it's, it's a change in mindset at our school, pushing the small groups, pushing the one-to-one, pushing intervention within the school day, you know, and a lot of teachers are like, well, when can I do it? It's like, dude, that's, you know, that's, we got to do it. And not just looking at the white gate student, you know, and 
you know, our EL population's growing and our homeless population. We have all these cool, amazing like opportunities, but we got to serve them and one at a time. And I think we're starting to shift now looking at every single kid because we're all kids and we got to fulfill the whole kid. And that's one really thing. I don't know if you've seen Brad Gustafson's new book, uh, Reclaiming Our Calling. So, yep. you know, he's really a whole child, whole, and, and it's, oh, it just resonates with me. It's epic. So I think if I did answer your question, I hope I did, but you know, it's, it's looking at individuals, small change, and we got to notice every single kid. Jethro Jones could not be in the back under his hoodie, getting away with nothing because I want that kid to kill it. Yeah, exactly. And so you talked about a couple of things there. The first thing I want to talk about is the idea that you're looking at discrete skills that kids need to learn. So you're taking that map assessment, you're drilling down and finding the things where that test says they didn't get it. And then you're making sure with a human that they did get it. Is that a fair summary of what you're talking about? Yeah, because we, you know, map, map is only one snapshot. So then we use a teacher made assessment, a district assessment, whatever that is. Oh, wow. So like, you know, standard 2.1, you know, critical thinking, whatever Jethro really doesn't understand. He hasn't yet learned how to learn or to help himself think. So let's get him some concrete examples of how he can really reflect and find it out. And so, yeah, it's, it's just another tool to help get, you know, the minutia because that minutia might really, bing, you know, get him clicking and fired up. So he, he's, he wants to come to school every day. Yeah. And what I love about that approach is that you're saying, you're not just saying, okay, here's the map test and we're taking, you know, everybody who did poorly on this. And so we're going to work on this thing as a whole group. You're saying each individual student, and this is a, a key point that is so hard. Like it is not easy to focus on each student. We've got class sizes that are big and we got lots of challenges that we're facing, but you are absolutely right that we've got to get down to that individual student. So what are some of the strategies that you are helping your teachers use to, to do that small group instruction that you're, that you're getting to small group one-on-one? How do you, how do you give them support professional development and that kind of stuff to help them be successful in that? Yeah. And that's a great point because district wide, we're struggling with that because old school, you know, when I was taught, kind of teaching, I hardly did small group. I would have an intervention group before school and after group, after school, right? But now with our technology and the ability, like you said, to look at maps, we can actually maybe group Jethro and six other kids looking at some of the skills and we can attempt that. So boom, I got my teacher really having conversations, using the whiteboard, having the kids talk, break things up in little bits while my other students, you know what? Maybe they could be doing some reading, they could code. Who doesn't need to code nowadays? They can work on their writing skills. Maybe they can even be doing, you know, some kind of art project or STEAM or building, you know, like, and that management piece is our big challenge because my old school compliant self that everyone's got to be in those rows doing the right thing. You know what? It might be a little bit loud, but if I have my kids in the back, we can still be rocking, doing little single things. And that's what we're trying to get into classrooms and the funny thing about that is, man, I, I'm having a hard time finding videos to help my teachers, to show them what it's like. So Sherry and I, we use a pineapple chart. Not many people want it, but you know, we're always like, please, you're killing it in small group. Let me send some teachers in there. Sherry and I will cover your class. Boom, let's do it. 
slowly making its way, but we have some teachers that crush it and I want everyone to be able to see them, you know? So we bring in substitutes sometimes trying to find ways, but that's our, that's our biggest weakness, right? Cause I think that's the strength of hitting each kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that piece of having teachers see what is possible someplace else is, is really challenging. And my teachers recently started asking to be able to Skype into some other classrooms and be able to see what is what other schools are doing. And so that's something that, that we should set up between our two schools because that would be a great way for people to see see what's going on. And then the other thing as it relates to that is I'm finding that with the things that I'm doing with with my school where we're really trying to make it student-driven rather than teacher-driven, I'm finding that our evaluation framework is is very much, even as it tries to be innovative, is very much a teacher-driven model. And so there are things where like one of the distinguished levels, the highest level is the teacher makes the instructional outcomes clear. And I was observing a teacher yesterday and the teacher had nothing to do with the instructional outcome because it was all student driven. And so I gave her distinguished on that because it was going above that where the teacher's not setting the outcome, the students are setting the outcome. And according to my perspective, the student's instructional outcome was clear and they were able to articulate it. But the the teacher was like, you know, she was just a facilitator in that point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so so do you have any challenges like when you're doing observations of things that that make it more challenging with your evaluation system or anything like that? Yeah, you know, we do we have a monthly um observation tool. It's kind of a, a walk through 10, 10 minutes and we have some points that we look at. We're really focusing on small group objectives and rubric student led rubrics with our writing but you know i think i think our evaluation tool is pretty weak i love what you're talking about there because it's so hard for teachers to kind of let go and step back you know and being uncomfortable in their skin but feeling good about it because when those kids are engaged and rocking teacher just needs to walk out around and support and that's what i think is hard for a lot of our traditional teachers I think that it definitely is, especially since they were not trained that way. They have not taught that way. And, and it is a big shift. So how do you encourage teachers to take that step and let it be more student-driven than teacher-driven? You know, just encouraging them to take that risk um, and encouraging them to go get into someone else's class and uh, encouraging them, hey, I'll pay for a sub, man. Just get out there. And But, you know, it's so hard to let go for a lot of them. And, you know, I can see our, some of our Younger, newer teachers are fired up on it. And we're slowly, you know, coming around. Some people, yeah, okay, but there's, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, we got some uh, some teachers that just will not loosen their grip. Man, they got to hold it, and it's just like, hey, come on, bro, let's uh, let the kids let them get noisy, messy, learn in a different way, try it out. And just yeah, and that risk, man. Yeah, and when you're when you're doing it with the the map assessment results, how do you empower kids to take more ownership of that? So it's not just the teacher saying you stunk at this part, so now you need to go to this intervention. How do you how do you encourage the kids to say this is what I actually need help with? And right. using so, map skills in Khan Academy, I know helps with that. Yeah, so um, 
after they take the fall map, they get a RIT score. So, you know, think of it as maybe it, it basically where you've gotten 50% right, 50% wrong. That's kind of your number. So say you got a 200 RIT. Well, okay. So you're going to get a progress report that shows those gaps. And the student is going to have a conference with their teacher and show where they need to go. Because if I got a 200 now, and then I get a 200 in winter, I didn't stay the same. I actually went back because we want to make sure your percentage growth goes up. So maybe my goal is 208. So how am I going to get those extra eight points? So the kids now, we have goals all over. Jethro knows that he's got to be to 208. And to do that, oh, you know what? He's got to be stronger in, in uh, deciphering uh, language, right? And, or, you know, understanding uh, geometry better. And so you have the ability now to own that and to know why you're doing it. And that's the big thing. We, you know, now we got your why, throw the what in there. What am I going to do to do it? And so that's, that's kind of the tool that we're, we're driving with. Yeah, I, I like that approach. And what's powerful when kids have goal-setting meetings with teachers is that they can start to say, this is what needs to improve. This is what needs to change. And it is so amazing when you hear kids say that. And it's just, it's inspiring. So I, I got to share a quick story about that. We have an intensive resource program at our school. And um, that is kids who are developmentally delayed, you know, a couple of years behind all their peers. And so they need a lot of extra support. And we have this CTE high school in our district called Hutch High School, Hutchinson High School. We call it Hutch for short. And it's a great school. And these three boys that are in this intensive resource program who nobody would ever think that they could or should go to that kind of a school because it would just be too hard. They take too long and all that kind of stuff. So they found out about Hutch somehow. And they said, we want to go to Hutch. That sounds like exactly what we want. And so their teacher and their aides were like, okay, let's do it. And so what happened was they said, we have this goal. The teacher said, here's what needs to happen. And then the student said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And they started working harder in all their classes so that they could have the skills to be able to go do it. They were put in a class and they were like, we don't think that this class is for us. And the aid and teacher were like, well, do you want to go to Hutch? And they're like, yes, yes, we do. Then this is a class that you need to take. And they're like, okay. And they're getting totally serious, working hard. And, and like when they took that ownership, it was like doubled. And nobody had ever given them that uh, opportunity to show that ability. And that kind of stuff is just incredible. It just blows your mind when you see it happening. Yeah, you know, once once the kids punch the ticket and they bought it, dude, they're done. It's done. Boom, they're sold. And like, how much more powerful than ha- at least you know the teacher having that relationship and saying, Jethro, this is where you got to be, brother. I will kill it for you, but I need you to help me. And I will guarantee you, in February when we get our winter map results back, the teachers that actually spent extra time going through those conferences. And getting kids to buy the result, they're going to blow it out of the water compared to the ones that are just like, okay, Jethro, 200, Jim, 400, you know, whatever your number is. What's that mean? So it'll be, I'm fired up. Yeah. And I'm excited to hear stories about that in the future, because when you do that, you really do see that kind of growth happening. And it's, it's so much fun. Um, So you've got, you've got this big push to change things. 
how are you working the culture of the teachers and encouraging them and supporting them and moving the ones who are not really interested in moving? You know, those for every teacher you have at your school, you've got a different personality, value, skill set, cultural belief, all that kind of stuff. What are you doing as a whole and then down to the individual teacher as well? Yeah. So, you know, we've had a lot of PD and um, just uh, last week I got six subs and we came in and spent the day with every grade level going over, breaking down once again, how to have a map goal setting conference, how to, so, so teachers understand the technology. So even if you are a hesitator or, you know, a, a late adopter, well, I've empowered you more. You can uh, reach out to uh, the lady that came in and did the PD. So we're offering that, Go, spending time one-on-one, getting teachers to uh, collaborate together. But you know what? Like Joe might be such a late adopter or in his stuck in his own ways. You know what? He's going to do what he's going to do. But you know, if I can get the, the majority fired up and understanding that, you know what? Teaching, I understand it's not easy. I'm not clocking in at eight. I'm out at three. If that's your deal, then I'm sorry. You know, you're not really in it for kids. But the other ones, they're they're seeing the change. And I think it's starting to finally trickle out. And like the flowers are blooming all over the school. And it's like light bulbs. And and we're getting some good celebrations. You know, Sherry and I try to celebrate our teachers so much. We do a ton with what, you know, Beth and Shelly and Lead Like a Pirate, you know, with the anchors of appreciation. We're throwing those all over. And just really trying to show teachers we are only here to support students and teachers. And that idea is is so important and it's so easy to get caught up in all the other stuff that you have to do. But really focusing on supporting teachers and students is is powerful. What are some of the the challenges that you've had where you've given instruction or you've worked with a teacher and they're just not taking it? And how do you deal with that? So I mean, as you can tell, I'm shy. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm super straightforward and this is who I am. And one of the things I have to reflect on is I've got to make sure I approach each teacher with how their personality and mindset is. So is it going to be more of a coaching model, a facilitative model, a directive model? You know, some, some take it very tough. Others like, Whoa, I didn't realize that. You know, I didn't know I went 847 times a minute. You got the shoes or, you know, I didn't know that I talked for 14 minutes straight and the kids talked for 2.6 seconds. And so, hey, look at it this way, just a suggestion, but I'm seeing a lot of success in other classes like that. You know, taking out the comparison, Jethro to Jeff, but other classes, because, you know, for some reason it's always so competitive still. It's like, you know what? They're doing it next door. I can do it better or I'm not going to share. And sometimes you just can't change that. So you still got to have the tough conversations. You know, you're going to get pushed back, but I just keep pushing, man. That's all I can do. So, yeah. Yeah. When, when I think about that specific situation where you've got teachers all on different spectrums, you really have to do what you're asking teachers to do, which is differentiate for your staff. You can't just say, here's one way to do it and we're all going to do it. You've got to approach each person individually and talk with them and, and deal it up that way because otherwise, you know, you're making the same mistakes that we're asking teachers to not make, which is see all of your kids as the same. And they're certainly not. And, you know, one way that my assistant principal and Kodiak, Damon Hargraves, and I talked about that was you never want to put a cap on the people who are going and doing 
But your job as the principal is to help light that fire under someone who, for whom it's not really lit yet and, and find ways to engage and encourage them. And that's challenging, but at the same time, that's, that's the job, you know? And so can you share a story where you've, you've had someone who's been reluctant and then you finally made a breakthrough and they were, they just started going and, and tearing doors off the walls because they were so pumped? Yeah. For, I, I want to first mention, you know, one of the things I really have been touting is that, you know, what we ask 800 kids to change every day, all day. Why as adults can we not make one little malleable adjustment, one little claymation move and, and try something new? It, it's just that mindset, you know, they don't get it sometimes, but others are like, oh gosh, I guess you're right. I do want my 32 kids to be doing this all day. Okay. So I always kind of preach that, you know, it's interesting. You, you come onto a new site last year was my first year here and you know, you see automatically, wow, you know, our personalities or whatever. So there's uh, someone on my site, very traditional, very traditional, um, totally into homework. And I'm the most anti-homework guy ever. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, Alice Keeler and Matt Miller, you know, I've really, I've connected a lot with them and really grown through it and it doesn't work. I don't believe in it. And so this person just thinks homework is the best thing, you know? And so over the year and through this year, we, we started to just, you know what, let's listen. So we don't ever gossip. This person and I just, we keep checking in, checking in. And even though some of the traditional methods aren't gone, there's, there's growth and there's openness and there's willingness and seeing that like, Whoa, Jeff, that's not a bad idea. And you know what? Hey, I'll make concessions too. I'm flexible. And I know not everything I, I do is right or the right way. Cause there's a lot of different ways, but just to see that. And the relationship has gotten so much better respect for each other. And I'm seeing a little bit more joy and relaxation and right there. Boom. If your teacher's doing it, kids are right on. Yeah, absolutely. And that piece, that piece about we don't gossip, that is so powerful. And we don't think enough about that and, and hold people to that standard enough. That was something when I started working with Damon that I already mentioned, he and I said, we're not going to gossip at all. And when we need to clinically assess the performance of a teacher, we're going to do that. And then we're going to stop. When there's a situation with our leadership above us that we have a problem with, we are not going to complain to each other about that. That is just not going to happen because the poison comes in so fast and you cannot, you can't stop it because it just takes over. And so you, you just can't ever start. And, and we did that and it was so amazing because you never got into that complaining mindset. You never got into that idea that why can't this be done? We would clinically assess the situation and then we would say, how do we help this person? And, and that's what we did. And that was a lifesaver in that position. Yeah. And it's not easy. And you know, at times I still catch myself, Sherry and I might, you know, complain about something. I'm like, oh, I got to catch myself. And we still have, you know, there's lots of teachers that I hear forthhand information, but I'll go right to, Hey, Jethro, man, you know, here you're bummed about something, something, something. And you'll either be like red face caught or like, yeah, I said, come to me. You know, a lot of people still, even though my door's always open, I feel like I'm approachable. Others you. Others say, no, you scare me or you freak me out or whatever. All right, I'm, I'm who I am, but 
it is the most toxic thing. And almost every leadership book or every book you read, that's like the number one killer in climate on the school campus, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in closing, the last question I ask everybody is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Get into 90% of the classrooms, get into every classroom. You got to get out of the office. And it's just, it's so cliche now, but you know what? You cannot see what is happening unless you're in the lunchroom, you're on the PE, in the PE class, in the music room, uh, playground, whatever. You got to be in the classes. You got to sit with kids on the carpet. You got to roll around. And, you know, this week, this month, my uh, read aloud is I Am Human by uh, Susan Verde and uh, Peter Reynolds, right? And so, you know, that's one way I get in classroom. Then I just sit around and hang. I have good discussions. I'm in the middle of writing a book. I just uh, uh, signed an agreement with EduMatch. And so I've been asking teachers and students to give me feedback on that and just getting out there, man. What play, you know, whatever. But I, that's the only way I feel like I can really transform is the teacher's like, whoa, Jeff's not observing me. He's just hanging. And I think that's huge. Connected. Yeah, connected. That's, that's great. So do you have an idea of when your book is going to be released yet? Uh, it's probably going to be like, you know, six months. I just, I'm still fine tuning the manuscript. Um, Sarah and Mandy over at Match, we're just kind of getting things going. Uh, it's going to be, I think only their second picture book. So working on the whole illustration kind of thing. It's, it's a new water. So we're learning together and I'm, I'm super stoked. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, make sure, make sure you share that with me when you get it published and I'll be sure to put that out. Cause Dude, I think that's, that's yeah. Okay. Um, how do people connect with you and learn more about you and from you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Jeffrey Kubiak, uh, principal Kubiak blogspot. It's where my blog is. And, um, Nelda Mundy elementary school, uh, in Fairfield, California, email me, DM me, whatever. I will always get back. That's my John Carippo plug because that dude free PD for life. Love that. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. master of Q and everything else and, you know, protocols. Come on. He's amazing. So that's why I, I, I love that. I will always get back to someone because someone helped me along the way that didn't have to. Boom. Yeah, that is my philosophy as well. And I always get back to people as well, even if I don't know them or if I can't really help them. I've interviewed hundreds of people at this point. So I know a lot of people who can help with whatever people are facing. So uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle that this has been very awesome. J squared, my man. I'm fired up and super stoked. Go get it for kids, yo. Appreciate your time. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.